In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. Let's go, girls. From New York City to Los Angeles, Powered Up with Beck and Franklin is giving women of all ages permission to live the life they've always dreamed of. Why live in black and white when you can choose the brilliance of 3D and Technicolor? Each week, Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin and their high-powered guests will be here to cheer you on, to share their challenges, their successes, and what they've learned along the way. It's all about women supporting women. The stories and practical tips on sex, beauty, money, and so much more are designed to help you reconnect to the powerful woman you are. Fabulous knows no limits. Now it's time for you to expand your boundaries. Here are Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Hello, ladies. This is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin. And from coast to coast, we've got you covered with what people are talking about today. Linda, we just came off of Oscar season last night. Yes, we did. I uh, it was two nights ago, and it was um, you know it was okay. I think like a lot of people across the country or the the world now, I guess. I, I'm more interested in the red carpet uh, more than I am who actually gets the um, awards. Did you see it? Oh, I didn't. I don't watch <laughs> it, but what I do, <laughs> I know that's terrible. I, you know, I knew it. I was at least aware of it this year. Um, but, no, I just kind of go on. I look at the magazines. I see what women are wearing. I look at, you know, who had good Botox, who didn't. Um, and then I cruise online to see, you know, what, you know, just what the clips were, what the highlights are. Well, you know, you actually don't even have to see the show because the next day it's just like everything is replayed a million times, so you get to see what you missed or didn't miss, as the case may be. Talking about Botox, I mean, I think the one that put a little bit too much Botox in her face this year was uh, Renee Zellwanger. I mean, she was hardly recognizable. I mean, she really didn't look good at all. No, she didn't. And, you know, she's such a pretty lady, and, you know, I just – you know, the whole rubber face thing has got to go. You know, it just, you're not fooling anybody. Um, I really don't think, you know, if you feel better about yourself, you know, that's one thing. That's what I felt about, you know, I watched a parental guidance and um, Billy Crystal and uh, what's the other lady's name? Bette Midler. They looked ridiculous. They looked like they were like puffy rubber face people <laughs> with very little expression. Well, I think they think that, They've got two choices: either you sag like a like a like a puppy dog, or you know, or else you're sort of built up like a like with frog cheeks. So I I don't know. There has to be a happy medium somewhere. That's for sure. Well, and that's true, you know, because I did see, um, and I don't even know the name of this movie. I just caught it, but um, Jack Nicholson came out, and it's true. All I did was go, "Oh my God, look at how old he is! He walks like an old man. He looks like an old man. He stands like an old man. Well, he is an old man. Well, he is um, an old. I mean, I think he sticks. To, well, he's no, is he? He must be over seventy now." Or close to it anyway, but it was really funny because they, they were interviewing Jennifer Lawrence, uh, after she won the award, um, for best actress. 
and it was and he came up and he, she was being interviewed by George Stephanopoulos of ABC and he came up behind her and kind of surprised her and said, you know, you look like an old girlfriend of mine. And she's sort of cupping her hands and saying to George Stephanopoulos, that's Jack Nicholson, that's Jack Nicholson. And, and you know, but he was, you know, he's, that's, that's him. You know, and so she said, well, you know, I look like a former girlfriend. Do I look like a present girlfriend? He says, no, but I was thinking about you, you know. <laughs> It's only about 50 years different in their ages, but I don't think that would bother Jack too much. No, I don't think so either. You know, and I get a kick out of him. I think he's a wonderful personality. I don't think I'd want to date him, have him before my father or my husband, but, um, you know, he certainly is a character, uh, you know, but I, I'm just, you know, I get so tired of the people looking just so weird, you know, that it just, I love these you know, I love Bette Midler. I love her fat. I love her thin. I love her wrinkly. I love her, you know, whatever way she is. And Billy Crystal, too. I just, I think we're going overboard with this trying to look like we have a smooth face. Well, I want to tell you somebody that looked absolutely sensational at 75 on that red carpet, and that was Jane Fonda. I put a picture oh. up on her on my Facebook page. I mean, she was wearing this, like, I don't know, like canary yellow a long gown, and she just looked amazing. She has got a rocking body. She is she really, does. yeah. And, and I mean, and she's had a lot of work done, you know, plastic surgery work. But on her, it looks wonderful. She it does. Just look, look yeah. You know, she puts well, a lot of effort that, into her body, and her face looks great. She did. Well, I think, think you know, I thought her. Her hair looked beautiful, you know, I thought, and I, you know, this is, I'm going to take a lot of hints for this, but it was age-appropriate hair. She wasn't trying to look like she was 20, but she wasn't looking 70 either. She just looked fabulous. She really did look fabulous. And another, I think my favorite on the red carpet that night had to be Charlize Theron because she's got that short little, uh, almost like buzz cut on her, and but she, uh, the the dress was just so simple and so beautiful, and she looked so elegant. I mean, she just—I mean, she took your breath away. She was that that beautiful. So she was—I thought she looked terrific. Um, and then there was a couple that I mean, had everything hanging out, like Heidi Klum, who was so low in the front it was down to her navel, and half of her back, you know, was sticking out. I don't know why they feel that they need to. Uh, reveal that much of their body to to, to attract attention because it really it's not it's not good especially after forty. Well, yeah, because her boobs are saggy. You know what I mean? They look floppy and saggy. I'm yeah, well, mine should be a saggy, but still, she's Heidi Klum, you know. Well, she is, and she's had four kids, you know, or three kids, however many she had with Seal. But four, I think, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but I look at her and go, you are so beautiful. I don't need to see your boobs to see how beautiful you are. You have a beautiful body. You have a beautiful face, a gorgeous smile. I don't need to see your breast hanging out to draw attention. No, I, you know, it just, it just, it's too much. It just, it doesn't, and everybody's critical of it. And I think they do it just so that they'll be talked about because there's no other possible reason. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, they could wear duck feet, you know, <laughs> and get, you know, a lot of attention. Um, and another thing know, I didn't I didn't understand about the awards was, you know, when they were going to announce the best picture, all of a sudden Michelle Obama is there from, you know, being uh, televised from the White House, and she's going to announce best picture. 
I mean, you know, come on, this is this is a, an event uh, that this is all about entertainment and movies, and here, you know, she's making it a political thing, and and I, I don't know, and she was wearing a, a nice dress, but it was funny because, of course. Argo won, and the Iranians are not crazy about that movie to begin with, and um, they so they were kind of pissed off that that Michelle Obama was 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 doing this, and then um, they they took the dress that she had on, which was you know not low cut but certainly cut and sleeveless because she's always sleeveless, <laughs> and and they put they they made the dress higher and they put on sleeves. <laughs> When when they you know when they uh, talked about you know when they showed pictures of it you know they they did a little adjustment to her wardrobe. You know I just think that you know we need to have a separation between politics and Hollywood. I know Bill Clinton was a master at you know merging the two, but you know I don't want to see the first lady handing out Oscars. I want to see her overseeing the Girl Scouts for their cookie drive. I want to see her, you know, walking with military families. I want to see her in a leadership position, not a Hollywood position. And I'm just going to come out and say that. I just don't think it's, you have enough on your hands, on your plate as first lady, you know, to, to, to help our country than handing out an Oscar. Yeah, well, I, I I tend to agree with you. So uh, by and large, I didn't. I mean, the show went on till like after twelve, which was stupid. I, I didn't think Seth MacFarlane was that good. So you know, another year, uh, another set of Oscars, and on to the next. But um, I'm glad award season is over. I am too. I am too. You know, and and you know, part of my not watching it, Linda, was part of my powered up. Um, you know, I'm going to throw in my powered up thing for this week. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about being powered up and saying no. Well, once I figured out how to say no to people, it was really good, and I got some extra time, and I realized that what I did this week for myself to power myself up was to really consciously choose how I'm spending my time. I realized just like I had automatically said, oh, yes, I will do that and obligate my time, I realized with the time I had, I was just giving it away unconsciously. And one of those unconscious things is to give it away to the Oscars. And you know what? I took a bath. I deep conditioned my hair. I, you know, talked to my kids. I, I gave that time back to myself as a conscious choice rather than going, oh, I have to watch the Oscars. Now, that's not to say you shouldn't do that if you enjoy it, but it, it was making that conscious choice of what was I going to do at that time. That was a really big deal for me. Well, I think that's yes, I and that's good for you because you're certainly getting there. Uh, you know, we, we the two the two pieces of powered up that you're you're talking about are very very important. Um and 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 conscious thinking is I think very important. Um we do that all day because the choices that we make um influence our lives 100%. You know, so I think that you just don't go helter skelter and sort of go along and unless it really, really feels good and and it means something to you. Uh, you know, I, I try to do that all the time. I try to think about, you know, what is this going to mean if I if I do this uh, versus not doing it. So I, I really sort of put a risk-reward on it, and, and then I make my decision. That is most right, of the time. <laughs> yeah, and it has to be a conscious choice. I think so many times we do things just because of habit, just because we're used to, just because we're our, that's what we've always done, you know, and it really took me aback to go, you know what, I am not going to watch this, I am not going to do this, and I'm going to do something that I really enjoy, and that was really different for me. 
Okay, well, and, and it worked, and you did, and you, you enjoyed your bath and, and all of those other things that you got to do rather than sit in front of the television for four hours watching uh, the Parade of Stars. Absolutely, absolutely. Still didn't mean I didn't give time to it on the Internet the next morning no. to see what people were wearing. That's when it suited you, and that's when you did it. Yeah. Well, listen, i got to take us to commercial break. When we come back from the break, we are going to welcome Maureen McDermott, and she is a high-end real estate agent in Montecito and Santa Barbara, and she's going to talk to us about women in real estate and how we get in our own way. We've got lots more Powered Up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages. of recorded history there has never been anything that can compare to home movies but now in this modern era where do you turn for the best information right here it's the home movie legacy project hosted by Rhonda Vigent Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Central here on the Rockstar Radio Network Learn how to organize, digitize, share on social media, use as genealogy research, repurpose, or even monetize found footage. Discover ways to find films about your own family that you didn't even know existed. Or create a documentary that can use the power of home movies to deliver a message that can impact the lives of many. For more on Rhonda and the show, go to our website, homemovielegacy.com. Then be here as the journey continues with the Home Movie Legacy Project with Rhonda Vigent. Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Central here on the Rockstar Radio Network. What time is it? It's MILF and Cookies time. Join the rowdy and fun world of Shannon and Amy, two moms I'd like to Facebook and catch a glimpse of these two best friends as they enjoy their MILF status and devise ways to keep it. They, along with their special guests, will happily reveal their best-kept secrets on how to feel beautiful from the inside out. Some of the fun segments include Happy Hour with Skinny Girl Margaritas, Confessions of a Bad Eater, Making Your Own Money is So Hot, Tips for keeping your milk status. And don't forget the cookies. We're still moms after all. And best friends are like a good brawl. They never leave you hanging. Shannon represents the ladies in their 40s and is also a woman who came into her cool status late in life after a good long run with a glee club. Amy, on the other hand, is walking the 30 set and as a high school cheerleader has pretty much been cool her whole life. Hook up with hosts Shannon and Amy every Thursday evening at 9 p.m. Central for Filth and Cookies here on the Rockstar Radio Network. We're back with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin, and from coast to coast, we've got you covered. We talked about the Oscars opening segment and uh, what some women do to get attention. I want to talk this segment, Linda, with our good friend, Maureen McDermott, who is a high-end real estate agent, about how women get in their own way with respect to real estate. And, you know, real estate is such a 
great topic for some things. Other people find it really boring. But you know what? At the end of the day, we all need a place to live, and we have to make certain choices. Don't you agree, Linda? Oh, absolutely. And we always can't leave those choices to a man because who said that they were the geniuses when it comes to to making those financial decisions. So I'm I'm really, really behind women uh, taking more of that space and making financial decisions all the time, whether from writing their own checks to to their own bank accounts to to investments to thinking about retirement, all of it. All of it. Well, I would like to welcome today Maureen McDermott. She is a very, very smart, savvy, successful mm-hmm. businesswoman. Uh, Maureen, are you on the line? I am, Sandra. Thank you so much. I hope I can rise to the occasion of that introduction. <laughs> <laughs> I know you can. I know you can. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about your experience um, in the real estate industry? Okay. Um, well, I'm going to actually roll back before real estate. I have been in real estate for 16 years, um, primarily in residential real estate, which is, of course, homes, condominiums, mobile home parks, that kind of thing. And before that, I was in commercial real estate, which would be shopping centers, apartment buildings, um, anything commercial, that type of entity. And previous to that, I was in banking for 20 years. So I have pretty much of a finance background and then the last 16 in real estate. Now, when you were in, a com- in commercial real estate, were there many women in that field? Because I see it primarily dominated by men even today. I can only imagine 16 years ago it was heavily dominated by men. It was good observation. It is still heavily dominated by men. Um, when I worked at a company, which is a nationwide company, at the time they had 400 agents across the nation. And out of that, there were approximately 40 women. And I was one of those, and I was also a listing broker. As opposed to working with buyers, I was more on the listing side. So it was pretty competitive, and the guys didn't um, – you definitely had to hold your own with them because you were almost infringing on their territory, if you will. And it's interesting, when I relocated from Southern California to the Central Coast area, I was – pursuing, thinking about pursuing commercial real estate, but it was such an old boys network that I just thought, I'm not even going to go there. And I reverted to the residential, which, frankly, I enjoy more. The difference is commercial real estate is financially driven, and residential real estate is emotionally driven. There's no emotion in commercial real estate. The numbers work. They make sense. Let's make a deal. In residential, you know, you're dealing with somebody's home, and that speaks volumes to who they want to be, what do they want to project, where do they want to live. I mean, it's, it's just very different, very different. So I love it. Now, Linda, you can share a little bit experience about being in a man's world for our listeners. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, I spent 25 years on Wall Street, so I, you know, running a trading department, so I'm very familiar with the old boys club, that's for sure. And you did, uh, have to work just a wee bit harder to rise to the occasion. And, and that was, you know, a long time ago, uh, and it still, it still applies today. I, I mean, we haven't come as far as we need to, to come to, to make that an equal playing field. No, I absolutely agree with you, Linda. It's, um, Anyway, it's just the way it is, and I don't know why that is. I mean, it's not that they discourage women to go into commercial real estate. It's just 
I don't know. It's just a... Uh, you know, well, I live in New York. A finance background. You know, you have to have a finance background in commercial real estate, and maybe not as many women go into finance. Maybe that's part of it. Maybe it's our own... We stop ourselves because we choose not to go into those areas. Um, I think th- I think you're right, and uh, I don't understand why women are so afraid of numbers, but they but they are. Uh, and you know, I speak to a lot of women here in New York City, and you know, they still rely on husbands uh, or or some male partner to to take care of that aspect of their lives. And so often, uh, when they do that, they end up getting burned, and um, it, you know, it's just. But they have to take the responsibility early on to to make sure that doesn't happen. Well, I agree, and I think part of part of it is, and and and, and you know what? Okay, I'm going to admit it right now. I do. I am married. My husband is a CPA by trade, and I very lazily let him just take care of all the books. And I've I've thought about this. I thought, gee, if something did happen to my husband, or I frankly am not as up to speed as I should be. And that's really out of pure laziness. And, well, he can take care of it, so I let him. Um, and I've actually, of late, been become more proactive, not only in our, uh, you know, why are we spending so much in taxes? Where, where are our investments? What kind of return are we getting on our investments? And I've always somewhat left it up to my husband, and I thought, gee, maybe I shouldn't have always asked him to shoulder the responsibility because... The reality is, if he did pass away, or if we got divorced, you know, I better be up to speed. And I think a lot of women sometimes rely on maybe a male aspect in their life, whether it's their father, a brother, a husband, an ex-boyfriend. And all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, that person is not always going to be there. So it is important, and I am trying to get myself up to speed. I'm curious as to when you started to take a bigger interest in 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 the uh, finances of the family. How did your husband react? I think he's he welcomes it because I I mean quite frankly you know we both are hardworking we you know put together a nice little income and I'm trying to figure out where it's all going. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, I'm, yeah. I'm serious. I so yeah. I'm like, I don't get it. I just don't get it. And so he's you know. Okay, well, let me explain this to you. You know, you have two kids in college, and you've got taxes, and you have this and that. And all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, I'm getting it. And that is when I started taking a stronger interest because I thought, this something is wrong here. How come? It, how come we're both working so hard? But yes, we see some fruits of our labor, but not to the extent that I thought we would because I didn't realize that the dollar isn't going as far as it used to, Linda. Absolutely. Yeah, I think we can all attest to that. And when, you know, you just, things are so ridiculously expensive. And if you just go about just spending and spending and spending, you know, you start to see it dwindle down. And, and, and when that happens, you know, you get scared. Well, because I'll give you a very simple example. I, you know, we have, obviously, we, we my husband has a car, I have a car, um, our children shared a car. And with gas prices rising as they have been in the past few weeks, it's approximately $75 to fill our cars. Now, I'm in real estate. I drive a lot. My husband's job is 40 miles away, and the kids drive and do what they do. I mean, we're looking at, let's see, 75 times three, one time a week. Uh-huh. You know, that's an ouch. That's an ouch. And that used to be $45 per car. Now it's $75. Yeah. We didn't do anything different. It's just the cost of gas went up. So 
when I make a dollar, it just isn't going as far as I'm sure a lot of your listeners are experiencing as well. Yeah, and when when that goes, and everybody needs a mode of transportation, but but if you're spending that much money on gas, that means you're not going to go to the restaurant as often, you're not going to go to do do clothes shopping as often. So, you know, that really, really starts to hurt the economy over the long run. I I agree. But so to to roll back to answer your question, when and why did I get more involved, I couldn't figure out why we were getting, getting limited in what we could do when I knew we had income coming in, but the cost of the dollar, the dollar just doesn't go as far. Yeah. So, so. I want to hear, I want to hear what the real estate market is doing in, in, uh, in, in California. Um, I've got a little beat on what, what's going on here. Um, but you tell me. Well, do you, California do you see- is definitely on, is on a, on a recovery track. Um, we, not unlike a lot of parts of the nation, had a downfall that happened after 2007. And I think that there are certain isolated areas that were hit and impacted a little bit stronger. Um, San Bernardino, Riverside County, was hit very hard. Um, In the Central Coast where I am, I'm in Santa Barbara area, we weren't hit quite as hard. But let me tell you, the the prices tumbled just as, as much. Our recovery has come back. We are now back to... We had rolled back to 2002 pricing. Okay, so really, yes, we had <laughs> rolled back to 2002 pricing. Yeah. We are now currently being able to ask 2004 pricing. So, in other words, for anybody who's listening, you can buy a house today in 2013 at 2004 prices, but you actually can buy more house today. Because today you can get a personal loan, excuse me, a, a mortgage, anywhere between 3 and 4%. Whereas in 2004, which is what our prices are at today, I would say interest rates were, help me, Linda, in 2004, interest rates were probably at 8 or 9%. Yeah, they were yeah. absolutely much higher for sure. Right, yes. but we, but we yeah. thought in 2004 that 8 and 9%, wow, that's pretty cheap money. And we thought the gravy chain would never stop. I mean, think prices just kept going up and up and up and up, and, you know, let's ride it. And nobody ever thought that this was going to happen and that the recovery would be such a long recovery. Right, but now we can buy at 2004 pricing at 4% as opposed to 8%. So right there, you can buy more real estate because this is a concept that you have to understand. People buy by payment. They don't buy by price of house. Okay, i got to cut you guys off. We're going to talk about that, about buying by payment, not buying by price of house when we come back from the break. Uh, My name is Sandra Beck. I'm the host of Powered Up Talk Radio along with Linda Franklin. You can check us out on iTunes at Powered Up Talk Radio. You can look at us with the .com by the same name, PoweredUpTalkRadio.com. Our guest today is Maureen McDermott. She is a real estate professional, a seasoned real estate professional, and she's going to come back after the break where we're going to talk about how we buy property as women and how we can be smart about it. We've got lots more powered up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages. This is for all you girls about 42. 
Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Be here for Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Trisha will dig deep into topics that matter most to women, inspiring women to make a change in their own lives and to make a difference in the world, and maybe even deep within their own hearts. Trisha is a wife, mom, speaker, family expert, and author of 24 books. For more information on Trisha and Living Inspired, go to her website, trishagoyer.com. That's T-R-I-C-I-A-G-O-Y-E-R.com. Trisha's vision is to be the voice of hope and possibility for women of all ages. Her intention is to serve ordinary women by encouraging extraordinary things with God's help. Trisha expresses real life, real hope for real women. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Get ready for Wise Up Radio, leveraging your learning, leadership, and legacy with Donna Kimbrand, the edgy evolutionary, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, here on the Rockstar Radio Network. If you're an entrepreneurial leader or visionary, stay ahead of your game with insights, tools, and strategies that give you the thought leader's edge. Each week, join Donna and her guests as she'll ask the edgy questions, help you discover game-changing shortcuts to better thinking and learning, how to explore the ripple effects of leadership excellence and how to create your life as a living legacy where the legacy you leave is the life you live. As thought leaders, you need strategies to help you enjoy the confidence and thrill of riding the wave of rapid change. For more on Donna, check out her website, GameChangerThinking.com. Then join the conversation and sharpen up your wits on Wise Up Radio with Donna Kimbrand, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, here on the Rockstar Radio Network. We're back with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. This is for all you girls about 42. Hello, ladies. This is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin. And we have with us today Maureen McDermott. She is a real estate agent out of Santa Barbara, California, and she has a long, long history in finance, commercial real estate, and residential real estate. And one of the things that she shared with us was the emotionality between commercial real estate and residential real estate. And I want to talk about um, the function of emotion in the real estate buying process and selling process for women because we are emotional creatures. But before we do, I want to ask quickly about what is what did you mean by saying we buy by by payment, not by home price? I'm, I didn't understand that. Okay, that's why I want to explain. When somebody goes out, just think of yourself, you know, I'm looking to go buy a new home, whether that's a mobile home park, a condominium, a single-family residence. The first thing an agent should help you do is get pre-qualified, and that means you want to go to your local lender and if you don't know who to go to, your agent should be able to guide you to ask that person, hey, let's go and get you pre-qualified for a mortgage. You're going to go down, you bring your financial statements, you fill out an application, and that loan officer will say, okay, this is how much payment you would qualify for. So you go, okay, if I put down 
and I have, you know, taxes to pay and insurance and this and that. This is how much of a payment I can afford monthly. So then you would be able to say to your real estate agent, the mortgage lender has told me that I can afford X amount of dollars per month. And that would typically equate to this much mortgage. And if I put down 20%, then we have, that's how you add up how much you can buy in the house. Okay, I'll make it simple. $500,000. You qualify for a, you you would qualify for a $400,000 mortgage. Okay? Got it. And you say, okay, I'm gonna, I have $100,000 to put down, my parents are helping me, whatever. So you have a $400,000 mortgage, and the mortgage lender says this is the maximum mortgage that you would qualify for. And you know you have 100000 to put down. So right there, we figured out the maximum that you can afford to buy is a $500,000 house. Maureen, have the banks loosened up on on uh, giving mortgages? Because we know for a while it was just like it dried up to a fairly well. Well, I'm going to answer. I'm going to say yes and no. And the reason I I'm going to answer it that way, Linda. Yes, the banks have loosened up. They're they'd love to lend, but the criteria has not. The criteria is very tough. Yeah. Uh, the criteria is tough, and by that I mean you the banks got a bit of a spanking the past few years, and they, maybe rightly so, got that, you know, spanking. And now the banks are nervous, and when you have somebody who's overqualified, they'll still ask you every which way and left to reaffirm your verification of deposit. Where did that deposit come from? How long has it been in your checking account? Is it gifted to you? That person needs to prove that they can afford to gift it to you. So not only do you need to prove your where your down payment slash deposit is coming from, you need to verify your income. How long have you been in that job? Have you been in that job or a similar type of job uh, for X amount of years? And then they'll go back at it every which way. And the ratios are important. Um, I don't know how technical you want me to get, but on no, mortgage... Go on. No, you go ahead. Mortgages, there's what we call a front-end and a back end. And in a perfect world, it used to be the front end is 25%, the back end is 38, maybe 40%. And what that means is 25% of your income could be utilized for a mortgage payment. The back end, they shouldn't exceed 38 to 40%, and that includes your Macy's credit card bill, all of your other bills. So if the front end, if your mortgage payment is 25% of your income, and then you add in all your other payments that you have obligations to, and that doesn't exceed 38 to 40%, that is a perfect model for a lender to lend you money. Because they know that historically, that ratio is what somebody can afford to pay. Now, what happened when we got all goofy crazy is that they were lending people Front end, 50%. Back end, 70%. I mm-hmm. mean, the, the, the ratios just went out of whack, and people were clearly being lent money that they, they – there was no way they were ever going to be able to afford to pay it back. Yeah, so, the value of the houses were, were skewed way out. That You know, it, that, that, that there was a $600,000 house that, that really was only worth 350000 exactly. So it was, it was a combination of multiple things. So the banks have not eased up. 
they have eased up if you qualify, um, but they still put you through the paces. But I'll tell you what is lagging a little bit is the, are the appraisals. We, have, we are in now a um, incline. Our market is going up, so the prices are not declining. They're, they're going up. But the appraisers appraise on historical numbers. So appraisers are kind of stuck because we can see we're, we're getting multiple offers, more than one offer on a house, and people are paying closer to um, asking price. You know, for example, last year, and this is something, if anybody's looking at real estate, find out from your agent, hey, are people, are the sales prices closer to 10% off of the asking price, or are they closer to 5%? Are they 20% off? Right now in Santa Barbara, we are, um, our sales price is within 5% of the last asking price. In historically, we were as far off as 15%. Mm-hmm. So that tells you how much the market has come up. That is proving a problem for appraisers because they, again, do things historically, and they don't have current data, but we're starting to get it. As, as our escrows are getting closed and pending and the, and the sales prices are coming up, appraisers are having easier time. But it, it's still a tough road, Linda. It's not a slam dunk just to walk in a bank and get a, a mortgage. But the, appra- the, the appraisals that, that you get, does that appraisal affect your insurance rates? Um, well, actually, I don't know the answer to that question. I've never, I, well, I, never... I don't. I don't know either. I, I just. I just wondered because um, no, you know you... we 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 have a home in in Connecticut, and and uh, you know every year it seems like the mill rate keeps creeping up and up and up. I, you know, and I don't know if the appraisal of the house keeps creeping up or not. But after a while, it sort of gets a little wacky. No, I've never. I mean, typically. When you have home insurance, you're going to insure your home for replacement value, and you're going to insure it separately for personal property. And what a lot of people make a mistake, and my clients seasoned, you know, have owned several homes, I have said to them many times, how much per dollar per square foot do you have your house uh, reinsured for? And more often than not, it's like, you know, if they've owned the house for 20 years, it's like, oh, we haven't insured for X amount of dollars, honey. It's like you could never replace your house today for that. No. So your insurance goes up because the cost of building a house goes up. And that's and you, it's up to you as the homeowner to make sure that you're staying on top. Or if you have a good insurance agent, they'll say, hey, I think you're a little underinsured here. Um, I mean, I have an escrow closing today, and my client has her house insured for one amount. And the person purchasing her house is insuring it for twice that amount. And I shared with my client, I said, her name is Pam. I said, Pam, honey, you are so underinsured. And she goes, I just didn't realize. She's owned the house for 20 years. She never realized that the cost of building has gone up so much. She could never replace that house today for what she's insured for. Mm-hmm. So that's the only way I would see where, but no, appraisals don't really tie into insurance. So, Maureen, would you advise our women listeners today, you know, that are might have been in their house 10, 15, or 20 years to call their insurance agent? Absolutely. And just say, hey, just can you tell me what, how much is my house insured for? And if I were to have a fire today or a flood or some other natural tragedy, how much would it cost me to replace the house today? What's the rule of thumb? 
And yes, that's absolutely. You should just the same way you should get a free um, credit report once a year to make sure your credit is still the way it should be and nobody stole it and there's not incorrect information on it. Check your credit once a year, and that's free. And I apologize, I don't know the websites. I forgot them right now. But there are free websites you can go on um, and you can get free credit reports. You should call your insurance agent once a year and say, hey, am I still insured for the replacement value of my home, the correct replacement value of my home? Now, these are all just, these are just technical details. It's either insured right or it isn't. How does emotion play in the home purchase process, the home sale process, even the emotionality of what your home is worth from an appraiser standpoint or an insurance standpoint? How does that differ between men and women? Um, well, I think that for women, for women, it is their home. I'm, I actually pulled some statistics in 1922, in, in 1981, uh, women represented 11% of all home buyers. And that peaked at, in 2006, we made up 22% of the home buyers. That slipped a little after the, um, uh, all the prices went down and all the econ- due to the economy. But women do make a large part of our purchasing in, um, wherever. And women, I think, I'm probably not unlike men. I mean, women do choose to buy houses based on a desire to own their own house, um, need more space or want a smaller home, or you want to relate closer to your job or your family or your school or, or whatever. Um, there's always a reason why somebody wants to buy a house, not just because, oh, it sounds, my father said I should buy a house, so I'm going to go buy a house. I think it's just a good thing to do. It's a, it's, it gives you security. Um, it can give you financial freedom in the future. And by that, I mean um, you can buy a house today, and depending on how long you own it and if you don't churn it and refinance it and recycle all the equity out of it, it could give you financial freedom when you're ready to retire because you may have a lot of equity in your house. So that's something, one reason one may consider to purchase a house. Um, Maureen, I want to thank you for being with us here today. Uh, you've raised a lot of great points about home ownership. I'd like to bring you back shortly uh, after the break to answer a couple more questions. Uh, this is Powered Up Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk a little bit about whether a woman should sell her own house. We've got lots more Powered Up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages. fascinated by the stories behind the stories, the people behind their masks, the truth about people's failures and redemptions in both their business and personal lives. Then Off the Record Secrets of with host Judy Schreiner is for you. It's people's secrets that make them interesting, but very few folks are willing to reveal them unless they trust that their information will be treated with accuracy, fairness, and respect. 
people have been entrusting their secrets to longtime business journalist Judy Schreiner for the last 25 years. And now she's bringing her expertise and impressive contact list to Rockstar Radio Network. Tune in and call in as host Judy Schreiner talks to guests off the record as they reveal new secrets each Tuesday at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. Ministry is filled with both highs and lows, victories and struggles. It can be the best job of the world, but it can also be the hardest. Where do you find the balance between serving God and the joy of truly knowing Him? Wellspring, tending the heart of ministry with Joanna Weaver. Thursday afternoons at 5 p.m. Central. Join us each week as pastor's wife, best-selling author, and host Joanna Weaver interviews women who serve God from the heart, both those who are well-known and those who minister in less visible ways. You'll discover tools for the ministry, but more importantly, you'll learn how to give God access to the deep places in your heart. For ministry is more than what we just do in public. It is who we are in private. Wellspring is here to inspire you to look into your heart of hearts and invest in the place ministry truly begins. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So join us for an hour that just might change your life. It's Wellspring, tending the heart of ministry with host Joanna Weaver. Thursday afternoons at 5 p.m. Central on toginet.com. We're back with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin, and our guest today is Maureen McDermott. She is a real estate agent in Santa Barbara, and she has been talking with us today about uh, some of the things that we need to do- know uh, when making a residential real estate sale or purchase. And uh, Maureen, I want to ask this question um, because I see a lot of people trying to do it themselves, the for mm-hmm. sale by owner, to save the commission. Um, I know that what you do is valuable. I used to work in a real estate office, so I I applaud you, and I know how hard you work. But the perception in the public a lot of times is that a commission of 5 or 6% on the sale price of a home is a lot. I want to know what do people get for their commission, and why should someone looking to save their commission not try to sell their home themselves in this market or in any market for that matter? Terrific question, and you know it's something that I've, I've I I get it. Um, I guess the short answer is, if I wanted a legal brief written, I just wouldn't try and do it myself because I'm not a lawyer. And if I wanted a tooth pulled, I wouldn't pull it myself because, gosh darn it, I'm not really sure how to be a dentist. And albeit those um, industries people maybe have studied a lot longer than somebody who has a real estate license. You're still a professional as a realtor. And as far as saving the commission, which is primarily the main reason why anybody would be a for sale by owner, um, a lot of times you actually can leave money on the table. And by that I mean, Sandra, um, a good realtor should be able to negotiate the highest possible price for you. And a lot of times all that happens when – um, somebody does it for sale by owner, is that the buyer comes along and says, well, I'm not going to pay commission, so I'm not going to pay you as much money. Or you don't have to pay commission, so I'm going to not pay as much. And historically, it winds up that the for sale by owner actually doesn't garner the highest possible price. They just get a seller 
Uh, I mean, it's well, and I'll tell you, Maureen, my mom, uh, when she was alive, she and my dad bought the ranch down the street from me uh, uh-huh. to help me raise the kids. And the girl who owned the home said, I'm not going to sell this. You know, I'm not going to hire a real estate agent. And she put it up for sale by owner. And my mom saw the price in the newspaper and she called me and she said, Sam, this can't be right. This has to be a typo. This property is, is probably 75 to $100,000 under the going rate. I looked at it. I said, you're right, mom. We went down, Maureen. I kid you not that day. And since I worked in a real estate office and we did do, you know, she did do a for sale by owner. I did rep, I didn't represent my mom. My office represented my mom, but we got that deal done so fast. And then like 60 days later, she sent me this nasty email saying I took advantage of her because we got this great deal on the house. But the fact of the matter is she had no idea how to price her own home. Hello. Yep. I'm here. Okay. I thought we lost <laughs> Sorry, everybody I, I, for a moment. I thought my rant. <laughs> <laughs> do we still have Linda? Yeah, you still have me. Okay, do we have Maureen? I, I know think we, we might we might have lost her. Well, Maureen. you know what? Um as we work to get uh Maureen back, we're gonna Oh, there we go. Maureen, are you back? Okay, well, we're not going to worry about it right now, Linda. We're going to talk about, um, let's go right to our segment about great products this week, our Powered Up products. I've got a couple of them, Linda, that I want to share with you. Okay, let's let's go for it. Okay, well, you know, I run around like a lunatic as a single mom and a company owner, and I'm trying to figure out how many things I can do on my iPhone so that I don't have to lug my computer around. So the things I want to share with you this week for your iPhone, and I have just the old one. I only have the iPhone 4. I don't have the S or the 5. But there is an app called iFax, like the, like the letter I, F-A-X.com. It's a free app. And it will let you send documents. Like I keep all my documents in Dropbox, which is a free online file source, and you can pay 10 bucks a month if you want to have lots of space. But I can actually capture a document, just like you send an email, Linda, with an attachment. Yeah. I can do that and send that fax to any fax machine around the world. And <laughs> from, from I did your phone. it. Yep, and it was 99 cents whether I sent it. I sent one to Okinawa just to goof with my friend Jackie, and then I sent one for business reasons uh, just to the valley, you know, like 30 miles away. But it worked. I'm back. (laughs) We're back. We're back. Okay, so let's regroup. We were talking about, um, with Maureen McDermott, we were talking about for sale by owner and saving the commission. And I had told a quick story about how the seller – uh, for my mom's house, had underpriced her house close to $75,000. Right. I w- yeah, and that it happens. And that's the whole thing. It, it's not only is the price, how are they going to pick the price, who's going to do the negotiation. And I have to tell you, candidly, a lot of buyers don't want to work directly with the owners because they don't want to insult them. They don't want to. It, it makes it for not the most comfortable situation, and buyers tend to shy away from for sale by owners. Maureen, I have a I have a question because um, yeah. I'm I'm looking for a commercial building in Brooklyn. It's not for me. It's we're, we're my organization, Shining Service, is looking for a uh, we're we're doing a six family uh, bu- uh, unit for um, 
military moms and, and their kids. Um, and I went, I went out with a REMAX agent in Brooklyn, and, and he let us know right off the uh, bat that he was working for the seller. Mm. So um, when we go looking for a home, um, who do we uh, should we uh, the, should the buyer be looking for a, a real estate agent that works for the, for them for the buyer? I think so. You know, every state does it a little bit differently. Um, I personally do not like to, and I think in my 16 years of real estate, I've only done it twice where I've represented both the buyer and the seller. That makes um, it hard. In one instance, it, it's because it was a bank was my seller, and so I, I represented the buyer because the bank you know, had no emotional attachment. Um, what happens, Linda, is everybody walks away and says, hmm, who did that agent really represent, the seller or the buyer here? And uh, to me, it's not worth it. I would rather have more referrals from that um, buyer or seller than have them do one transaction and say, I'm not really sure if she did the best job for me or the other side. So. But if- if I come in to you and say, "Hey, Maureen, I'm looking for a five hundred thousand dollar house in Santa Barbara," but you're the but you've got the you've got the inventory. So who are you working for? Would you be working for me, or would you be working for the 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 guy that that's actually right? Well, you know what I'm selling the house. Well, what I personally do, and this isn't what other agents do, it's what I do, because I have a lot of I have a lot of inventory, and I obviously get a lot of calls from people directly to me. And some people prefer working directly with the listing agent because a lot of times they think, oh, I'll shave off part of their commission. <laughs> and I immediately, I immediately let them know that I'm happy to get them through the process, to show them the home, to get there. But if they get to the point they'd like to write an offer, I will be bringing in one of my associates who will be representing them and I tell them up front, and you know, that associate will be paying me a referral fee because I've given them the opportunity to make a commission, but I will not represent both sides. And so I make that all clear up very upfront. And it really puts a lot of my sellers at ease as part of my listing presentation when I, I just don't represent both sides. Um, when you are looking for property, you can always ask the listing agent if you are interested in writing an offer. You can ask him if he would have an associate in his office that maybe could represent you. Mm-hmm. Because okay. then you know that everybody's getting equal, equal Re- representation. representation. Yeah. Absolutely, because it's a naturally adversarial process. You've got, you know, somebody who wants the highest price and somebody who wants the lowest price. It's got to be really tough, and it's got to be really stressful. I know some agents do it and do it well, Maureen. I've been, I was in the business for 15 years in Beverly Hills. I saw some of them do a great job. I don't know if I could do it. I think the way that you handle it is fantastic because it's really hard to, to advocate for both sides. You're only one person. Well, that's exactly it. And people, Sandra, they walk away and go, hmm. And as I said, I, I've only done it twice in 16 years. One time a bank was the seller. Or, and I had the listing, and the buyer came to me. And another time it was two two families, and I did wind up representing both sides. They both said it was fine. But at the end of the day, do you know that neither one was happy? And I was like, wow, I did everything for everybody because the seller thought he undersold, and the buyer thought he paid too much. <laughs> and I thought, well, that was really fun. <laughs> 
And I guess the market has a lot to do with it too. I, you know, we've been we've been in a buyer's market for a very long time now, and it, I, it looks like we're shifting a little bit into okay. There's there's less inventory around, so it's um, maybe the sellers getting the advantage. We have shifted. We have shifted to a seller's market. Uh, well, at least where I'm selling, we have. And I think, in, and I, I keep up on NAR, National Association of Realtors, statistics and whatnot, and all the stuff that's printed, we are shifting to a seller's market. And candidly, a lot of buyers are upset because they're like going, wow, you mean my time came and went already and I didn't realize it? They is, miss, yeah, they missed they the boat, it. just Which like is, I missed the boat on the sell side because I right. thought this was going to go forever, and then all of a sudden, my right. God, it, you know, it plummeted like, like right. crazy, and it's oh, yeah. taken a long time. So now the sellers uh, will, I don't know for how long, because the economy really has to keep pumping along. But mm-hmm. uh, Well, as long as there is lack of inventory, and, and a rule of thumb is if you have more than six months inventory, you are in a buyer's market. If you have less than six months inventory, you are in a seller's market. And so, now that means that the home stays on the market longer than six months or sells no, what within that, six No, what months. that means is if you have, you pretty much figure how many buyers are out there. Um, and if we were to, let's say there are 10 buyers out there and there's only six homes to buy. Well, that tells you we're in a seller's market because there's not enough inventory to satisfy all the buyers. It would take um, shorter than six months to take care of all the buyers that are gotcha. looking. Um, and right now, our inventory is selling typically in 50 days, 5 zero. Well, and That's encouraging news for all us homeowners. It is. I'm telling you, it is, Linda. And I'm talking, it used to be like over a year. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're talking, it was painful. <laughs> well, you guys, I'm going to end the show. We've got uh, wonderful news that the market is turning around for all the homeowners out there. Uh, for those of you who want to look up Maureen McDermott, you can go to her website, MaureenMcDermottLikeHerName.com. Make sure you put in Santa Barbara if you want to see what she does. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. We're so glad you joined us for Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Sandra Beck, Los Angeles-based single mother and technology company owner, knows what it's like to be fit, funny, and fantastic in your 40s. Linda Franklin, a New Yorker with a successful marriage and pro-